0: You're listening to the Agony Column News Report, Trashotron.com slash agony. Jennifer Sr.'s new book is All Joy and No Fun. It takes a look at how children affect their parents. Jennifer, would you read to me from the book?
1: Prospective parents have no clue what their children will be like. No clue what it will mean to have their hearts permanently annexed. No clue what it will feel like to second-guess so many seemingly simple decisions or to be multitasking even while they're brushing their teeth or to have a ticker tape of concerns forever whipping through their heads. Becoming a parent is one of the most sudden and dramatic changes in adult life.
0: Jennifer, you undertook a very interesting approach to this. You decided to study families in the wild, so to speak.
1: (laughs) I did. I did. I was like the David Attenborough <laughs> of family research. No, yes, I did, and which was hard to do because, you know, um, how do you narrow it down? I mean, you can just simply pick up the phone and call your friends or your family if you want to find families. So I had to systematically run around and try and find good families to look at.
0: Tell us about the EC. FE.
1: Well done, sir. So I eventually settled on this statewide program called ECFE, the Early Childhood Family Education Program in Minnesota. 90,000 parents pass through it every year. Truly amazing. The only qualification is that you have to be the parent of a kid who's five and under, uh, kindergarten or less. And they have these classes that are generally weekly for parents of these little, little kids where they both... Tell you how to do stuff better, but also they give you time alone as parents, away from your kids. Professionals take your kids off your hands, and you get to hang out in the company of other adults and just be for a little while and like let down your hair. So that was a great place to take notes and find the families I wanted to talk to and to just sort of, you know, get 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 a sense of what the questions were and what the challenges were.
0: You know. One of the things that you talk about is the many changes that the presence of a child makes in the relationship between the mother and father of that child or the parents of that child. And I think that's a really interesting approach because you're not talking about how the mother and father are supposed to deal with the child, but how they have to deal with one another in terms of the child.
1: Right. Definitely. Um in fact, in some ways, I wonder if resolving the questions about how to raise the child, at least in the early years, are easier than figuring out the questions about, uh, you know, who who literally does what. I did the dishes last time. Well, I was the one who got up at four in the morning last time. Well, I, that stuff gets tense. You know, that can be very, very... So... Um, The great bulk of the things that husbands and wives fight about, or spouses, if you're in same-sex marriages, that that spouses fight about um, uh, when uh, they have kids is just the simple division of labor around the house.
0: You talk about um, the way parents feel, and we all— Want to think about bliss and happiness, but you talk about this. Uh, parents often exist in a kind of quantum state between boredom and anxiety.
1: Yeah, I think that's in the early years. I think, although I, I think it, it can go on. But yes, this is in my converse, my um my research about flow. Flow is obviously the opposite of that. Flow is when you are in the sweet spot between boredom and anxiety. When you are right smack in the middle. When you are just You're firing on all cylinders. You're not even thinking anymore. You're just doing, and you're doing brilliantly. Um, You're sinking every shot if you're a basketball player. You're writing without any – with no hint of writer's block, blah, blah, blah. Um, With parenthood, though, often – it's quite syncopated. It's not not necessarily flow. You know, there's a lot of anxiety and then there's a lot of boredom and then there's a lot of anxiety and then there's a lot of boredom. In part because, you know, your kids, um, children, especially when they're little, don't allow you to sort of sink very deeply into... um, A project. Kids are designed, they are wired to take in the world. They're like bugs with eyes all over their heads. So they're constantly looking around and sweeping in new stimuli and you've got to keep after them and stay on top of them. But that means they're gonna stop paying attention to stuff and you're gonna have to keep rechanging, you know, reorienting your perspective.
0: You spent a lot of time interviewing families, being with families, taking down anecdotes, recording conversations, and came up with a lot of data. Then you wrote a book how much of the what you discovered happened in the writing process itself
1: i would say a lot there were things i didn't realize at all about the people that i was writing about until i was in the, until i was writing that often happens which and i don't know how common it is some people get everything through watching and observing. Other people need to actually write it all out. It's almost like a math problem. And they don't see the properties of what it is that they're dealing with until it's, you know, on the page in front of them. And I would say that there was a lot of that. Like me not even realizing what a fight was actually about between a couple until I was rereading my notes and writing up the scene and going, oh, oh my God, she wasn't mad about that other thing at all.
0: You know, that happened a lot, a lot. Well, as a writer, you come up, you know, with a vision of family life. I think that's very interesting of families, the importance of these kind of these this sweet connection spots between two people, which are incredibly rare. Flow is not something that happens uh, between two people very often.
1: No, it does not. It can. You can have this great, perfect conversation with a best friend and just really be in it and not know where the time went. And you can – you know where mothers often dis- describe flow is when they're reading to their children, like, and their kid is just snuggled up in the crook of their arm and – or asking questions about the book and you're just – or, like, when your kid gets intensely philosophical and you just go down some incredibly amusing, interesting rabbit hole and realize realize things. My kid at once – he asked a question that one of the kids in the book asked – My kid, I think, was under the impression that you could change sexes midlife. Like, he wanted to know if if one day he would grow up to be a girl, you know, when he was, like, two or three. I mean, and so when you're in the middle of having these kind of interesting conversations, that can be a moment of flow where... It just goes very naturally back and forth between the two of you. But often no, it's not like that. Often just as you've built up a head of steam with your child and you're doing something really fun they will suddenly have a tantrum or they will decide that they are, uh, they are done with whatever you are doing or their shirt will itch them or they will decide that they actually are mad at somebody or you know, I mean anything can happen you know, with a small person.
0: And one of the the mistakes we often make is to think that that small person is actually an adult and has the reasoning facilities of an adult.
1: Never try and have a rational discussion with your two-year-old. It will not go well. Or a three-year-old. Or for that matter, a six-year-old. I mean, the problem, right. So in a nub, the prefrontal cortexes, cortices, whichever one you want to say, of our... um, children are immature particularly toddlers but you know and little kids and the prefrontal cortex is responsible for a lot of adult stuff like planning like reasoning like controlling your impulses so yeah you know um here's a here's an example you tell your kid that they can't have a cookie now but they can have a cookie in an hour from now but they freak out they want that cookie right now because their prefrontal cortex is not Developed. So they don't understand what an hour from now is. They can't even, that's not consoling to them. They live in the permanent present. So they don't understand that the world is long and filled with cookies.
0: I've been speaking with Jennifer Sr., her new book is also long and filled with cookies. It's called (laughs) All Joy and No Fun. Thank you for joining me, Jennifer.
1: Thank you for having me. Long and filled with cookies. That ought to be like the, that, that should have been the jacket copy. That would have been awesome.
0: You're listening to the Agony Column News Report, trashotron.com slash agony.